0: Thank you, Ms. Sistino. Beautiful and much appreciated. Uh, If you would, at this time, take your Bible and uh, turn to the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter 8. And uh, we'll be looking at verses 10 through verse 21 this morning. Mark chapter 8 verses 10 through 21, and as you're turning there, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 8, we'll read verses 10 through verse 21. Um, I couldn't decide to stop earlier, so I thought let's just go ahead and read the whole passage. Uh, Last Sunday, if you remember, we were in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and uh, we looked at the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, we saw how Jesus had to repeat a miracle. Uh, remember we said, I, I talked about how I needed to repeat Algebra 1. Uh, well, the disciples needed him to do this, this miracle again to kind of ingrain in their minds that uh, he is able to uh, carry us through whatever we, we face in our lives. Uh, we, we saw in that passage, his love and mercy displayed. We saw the disciples lack of memory. Uh, We saw that he was in this meal pointing to a later meal when he would meet with his disciples in the upper room, break bread, and uh, explain what was going to happen, that his body was going to be broken for us. And of course, last Sunday morning, we took communion as part of the service. And then uh, at the end of the message, we talked about how there was leftovers for the men, and, and we saw that Jesus is not only enough for us, but he's more than enough. And uh, there's leftover for others as well. Today's text takes place immediately after the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, let's pick it up here in verse number uh, number 10. The Bible says, And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye, perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not Remember? When I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? Uh, Today I want to, from this passage, i bring a message entitled, Way Over Their Heads. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, have an understanding heart to what you are trying to convey in this passage. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not only understand it, but then go and apply it and live it out in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would... Just help us to focus in on what you'd have for us today. Help us to be good hearers, but then also good doers of what we hear. We pray these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I imagine the answer is yes, but have you ever been in a conversation and something said just simply went way over your head? Well, I think we all have. There have been many times in my life when I completely misunderstood what was going on or what was said. Uh, Many times in school, as the teacher starts teaching, it's like, what are you even talking about? Um, It's perhaps like one blonde girl that I read about. But uh, before I go into this, where are all the blonde people? I see a few of them here. And I just want you to know that, uh, believe it or not, I was blonde at one point in my life, okay, and then it turned brown, and then it turned loose, and uh, the rest is history, okay, uh, but I was blonde at one point, and we have, uh, we have a blonde boy in our house. We had a blonde girl in our house, but it turned blonde. Hopefully, it doesn't turn loose for you, Faith, um, but uh, so I, bef- before I go into this story, I want you to know that, hey, I was blonde at one point in my life, so I represent this particular story. Um, I read about a blonde who uh, wanted to earn some extra money, and so she decided, decided to hire herself as a handyman type and started canvassing a very wealthy neighborhood. A pretty good idea. Uh, so she went to the front door of the first house and asked the owner if he had any jobs for her to do. And he said, well, you can paint my porch. How, how much are you going to charge? The blonde said, well, How about $50? The man agreed and told her that the paint and ladders that she might need were in the garage. The man's wife, though, inside the house, heard the conversation and said to her husband, Does she realize that the porch actually goes all the way around the house? The man replied, She should. I mean, she was standing on the porch. Well, a short time later, the blonde came to the door to collect her money. You're finished already? he asked. Yes, the blonde answered, and I actually had paint left over, so I went ahead and took the liberty to give it two coats. Well, impressed, the man reached in his pocket for the $50. By the way, the blonde added, that's not a porch, it's a Ferrari. See, she missed it all together, it went right over her blonde head. And today we're going to look at two groups of people in this passage, who also completely missed it. Truth went way over their heads. And I'm hoping that as a result of this message today, that each of us would be people who understand and accept the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what he says. So let's walk through this passage of Mark chapter number eight this morning and look at those who failed to grasp the truth, those who allowed truth to go way over their heads. Let's look, first of all, this morning at the challenge of the Pharisees. So in verse number 10, right after, uh, the Bible says here, Mark's one of Mark's favorite words, remember, straightway, which means immediately, right away. On straightway, he, after the feeding of the 5,000, he gathers his disciples and enters into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And so he, he gets there, and, and uh, once he gets there in verse number 10, the Pharisees came forth. So here come the Pharisees uh, once again, uh, our friends, the Pharisees. And uh, when I say friends, there's major air quotes around them. And uh, they weren't there to be friendly observers. Oh, no, they actually had an agenda, a plan to try to trip him up. And so we see here the the challenge of the Pharisees, and we see, first of all, the desire here in verse number 11. The Bible says, The Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven tempting him. So we see the desire here. They they desired a couple things, actually. First, for Jesus to show another sign from heaven. They wanted Jesus to perform another miracle. And to do it kind of on the spot, by request. To do another magic trick for us. Can you wow us again? It was almost like, hey Jesus, do something big and spectacular. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll believe what you say and who you are, who you say you are. Maybe we'll believe it if you just do another sign from heaven. Now, it's not like the Lord hadn't already shown quite a few signs. I mean, the Pharisees should have been familiar with this promise in Isaiah 7, 14, which we're now officially into Christmas season. It did not start until uh, midnight on Friday. Christmas season starts officially on Friday at midnight, not before. Just a little heads up. So for those who are listening to Christmas music, yes, I know some of you were listening to Christmas music before midnight on friday morning and uh well there'll be an opportunity at the end of the service for you to get right with the lord on that no i'm teasing we can obviously be thankful for uh, the birth of christ all year round uh, but there are only so many times you can hear those songs in one season you know anyway um here 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 again though the we're about to go into Christmas season, and this particular sign, uh, Jesus, or is prophesied in Isaiah chapter number seven, verse fourteen, regarding Jesus. It says, "Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign: Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." These Pharisees should have been familiar with that particular sign that was going to come someday. Well, Jesus was the fulfillment of that sign. Well, then right after Jesus was born, the Lord gave them another sign from heaven. He allowed a a star to shine brighter than any other in the night sky, which was then used to direct those wise men to where uh, Jesus was living at that point, to the house where the young child Jesus was. Well, then quite a few more signs were shown as Jesus started his public ministry. I mean, he healed people. He cast out demons. He radically changed people's lives. He even fed the multitude just a few verses before. I mean, how many more signs did they need? And yet these Pharisees, they wanted another one. And they wanted Jesus to kind of do it right then and there. Hey, you know, hey, if you're really God, then you're going to do this. There's a lot of people out there who that's their mantra, If you're really God, then you'll get me a raise right now. Then I'll believe in you. Hey, if you're really God, you get me out of this jam, and then I'll really believe in you. Uh, See, that's not the way God works. Um, That's not who He is. So they desired a sign from heaven, but the main thing they desired most of all, though, is that they wanted to tempt Jesus. Verse 11 says, They, seeking of Him a sign from heaven... Tempting him. Uh, They wanted to uh, trip him up. And uh, the the Greek word for tempt here, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I didn't write it down in my notes, but it actually is the same exact Greek word used in Matthew chapter number 4 as Jesus is in the wilderness and the devil tempts him. Same Greek word, same uh, situation here. So as these Pharisees come to Jesus tempting him, they came in the exact same spirit as the devil did and for the exact same purpose, to try to trip him up and find fault and ultimately to stop him from fulfilling his purpose. Um, So we see their desire, but then let's look here at the declaration of Jesus in verse verse number 12. It says, And he sighed deeply in his spirit. This hurt the Lord because here they were face to face with the Savior of the world and they wanted another miracle. They refused to believe who He was. And the Bible says He sighed deeply in His spirit, just frustrated that the truth of who He was was going way over their heads. And so he says in verse number 12, why does this generation seek after a sign? And he said, verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. I'm not going to be your freak in a circus show. I'm not going to be this genie in the bottle that's going to do what you want in your whim. No, that's not who I am. And Jesus declared that there would be no sign from heaven. The parallel passage, if you want to turn with me just very briefly to Matthew chapter 16. And look how what Matthew records the declaration of Jesus here in verses 2 through 4. Matthew 16 verse 2 says, He answering and said unto them after they wanted him to do some type of special trick, a sign from heaven he said in verse number two, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather for today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign, but there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. So he said, Okay, one day you're going to see a sign. The, f- the the greatest sign you'll ever see is the fact that I will be dead and then I will rise again. You want a sign? That's the sign I'm going to give you. But that's all the sign I'm going to give you. You don't. I, I'm not going to paint it in the sky. That's not who I am. You can flip back over to Mark, Mark chapter eight. So he declares that there's going to be no sign like they want it. Now, there had been signs from heaven in the past. Uh, Remember uh, the sun stood still for Joshua? The pillar of fire for the nation of Israel? There had been signs from heaven in the past, but Jesus standing right before them was sincerely the greatest and the ultimate sign from heaven. There could be no better one that they had standing right In front of them. And so we see their desire, the declaration. And then number three, we see the departure. Verse number 12. I'm sorry, verse number 13. It says, and he left them. And he left them. Sad words indeed for the Pharisees that Jesus would leave them because they were not teachable any longer. There are a lot of people who claim that they would believe if they just had a little more evidence. Hey, look, I'm thankful that the Bible says faith is the substance of things not seen, but the evidence of things hoped for. Am I getting that wrong? Maybe I'm getting that wrong. The the word evidence is in that verse, Hebrews 11.1. Look, it's not based on just some kind of figment of our imagination somewhere. There's evidence. It's 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 like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the evidence of that wind. And that's the same thing with the existence of God and and who Jesus is and the truth of uh, of creation and all of it. It's not without evidence. There is a lot of evidence, and in my opinion, much more evidence for the existence of God and for creation than there is for the other side. And yet some people, you can take them down to the creation museum. You can take them to the Ark Encounter and you can show them all those things and they're still going to go, yeah, but they're never going to be satisfied with the evidence that you show them. They're going to still want more. You can show them all the evidences for the resurrection of Christ, but they're, they're never going to be satisfied. And so the Pharisees were like that. It didn't matter if Jesus showed them a sign in that moment. They still wouldn't have believed. And so Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to leave you. And he left them. They had an opportunity to talk with the Messiah to spend time with the Savior of the world, to be with the Son of God, and instead of being willing to have faith in them, they only wanted to live by sight. They only wanted to to see Him do something spectacular so they can go home and uh, gossip about it and be critical of Him. For those of us who have an opportunity to respond in faith today, please seize that opportunity while you may. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. It is true that it could be your last opportunity. The Bible says, Behold, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. This could be your last opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope it's not. I hope the Lord gives you several others. And I know for me, God gave me several opportunities But at some point, those opportunities come to an end. And uh, for the Pharisees, Jesus left them. How sad. So we see the departure. The truth of of who Jesus was went way over their heads. They got to see him with their own eyes. They probably could have reached out and touched him. uh, But instead, they failed to grasp who he was. I believe there are a lot of people who attend church all over this world and are so close to the things of God and yet the truth of who Jesus Christ really is is still over their head. It's like Jesus who said this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? and In thy name have cast out devils in thy name done many wonderful works. And then sadly, in that moment, he'll say, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's a lot of people who sit in chairs or pews who are so close to the Son of God as far as being exposed to him, but still have not trusted him for themselves. And so I'm not asking you today, are you in church? Because I can see that you are in church. I'm asking you, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior or has that truth gone way over your head for all these years? Today's the day for it to not just hit your head, but hit your heart. For you to trust in Him. These Pharisees had an opportunity. They didn't seize it, and as a result, Jesus left. Don't let the Lord leave you today. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. You have an opportunity, seize it. So we see the challenge of the Pharisees, but then secondly, we see the confusion of the disciples. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, there were two groups of people who completely missed it. The truth went way over their heads, and here we come to the second group, and that is these disciples. These disciples. So verse number 13, he left them, entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. So after Jesus departs from the Pharisees, he takes his disciples into the boat to head over to the other side of the sea. And then first in this confusion here, we see the mistake. Verse number 14 says, they had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. In other words, they had one loaf in the ship for their uh, their stay-awake candy, their little snacks, their road trip snacks. Uh, one of the best things about going on a road trip is going to a gas station and paying way too much for snacks. I know you can get all the same stuff at Walmart for way less, but it's something about going to a gas station and getting it. And uh, usually we'll let our kids get one thing, and they usually get a big old bag of, you know, Skittles. It's like this big. It has so much sugar. Like, what are we thinking? Um, Here these disciples failed to bring in the snacks that they needed for their journey. And do you remember? They had just received leftovers from the feeding of the 4,000. So they probably had plenty, but for one reason or another, they only managed to bring one loaf of bread on the ship. And they they were bummed about it, and they began to talk about it, I'm sure, like, hey, weren't you supposed to bring the bread? No, that was your job, Bartholomew. And they're blaming each other for who was supposed to bring the bread, and and, uh, going back and forth. I'm sure they were just frustrated about all of this. And uh, Mark mentions it here, and and, uh, and so they continue, though, to dwell on this mistake. It, it, they're, they're thinking about this mistake and they continue to dwell on it because look in verse number 16. And they reason among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? They continue to dwell upon the fact they had no bread and it was just bumming them out. Look, we, we all make mistakes, we do. Um, I read about two teenagers years ago who burst through the front door and raced to the counter with an empty pillowcase. Put it in, they demanded of the clerk. Put what in? the attendant asked. The money. Put it in, and nobody'll get hurt, they barked. The puzzled library attendant, who had less than one dollar in the collect in collected fines in the petty cash box, ducked out the door, called the police. They too were dumbfounded. It's the first attempted library robbery I have ever heard of, said one cop, scratching his head. The only plausible explanation was that the two careless teenage crooks got the Grandin City, Kansas bank mixed up with the library. The two buildings are a block apart on corner locations, and at the time, the bank's exterior was partially obstructed by scaffolding. The youths, believed to be runaways from Florida, were nabbed by police hours after the bungled heist, and uh, in keeping with their crime, the bonehead bandits were taken into custody and promptly booked. Thank you very much. (laughs) But at da -da I'll be here all week, really. I will be, actually. Um, See, look, we all make mistakes. We're human, but let's not dwell on them and beat ourselves up about them. I think the disciples had a little bit of that going on. They were supposed to bring bread, and they didn't. And they began to think about it and let that consume them. But we see not only the mistake, we see the message. And really, this is the whole point of this passage here. See, so still thinking about his encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus takes this opportunity to teach his disciples an important lesson. He uh, thought this is a great teaching moment. They got, they just got to hear what the Pharisees said about them seeking a sign, trying to tempt him. Let's use this opportunity to now teach my disciples so that they will grow in their faith and in their uh, maturity in the Lord. And so he shares this message, verse, fi- verse uh, 15, and he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. He says, I'm going to give you a message that is going to be helpful for you long-term. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Now, leaven in the Bible is always a picture of evil kind of spreading and uh, affecting everything. Galatians 5.9, and this is just one reference I could have picked, but Galatians 5.9 says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And the idea is, and, and leaven is uh, like yeast today. Uh, my wife make, made some ho- uh, homemade rolls for Thanksgiving uh, dinner on Thursday, and, and she put yeast in that dough, and that makes the yeast or the dough rise so that it's nice and fluffy and airy and yummy and scrumptious. How many of you are getting hungry already? Yes, you're welcome. Let's go home and eat bread. Um, but when you put a little yeast in, you don't have to like spread it around as much because it, it begins to affect that whole uh, dough, that whole lump. And uh, what he's trying to guard against, or' trying to communicate to the disciples is you need to avoid and guard allowing just a little bit of leaven of the Pharisees and a little bit of leaven of the Her- of Herod to come into your life. You need to avoid that. Here's what the leaven of the Pharisees means. It means to beware of the religious hypocrisy that the Pharisees had so much. And so this is one side of the ditch. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, those who are so uh, caught up in their religion that they can't see the truth. And they're, they're so proud of their religious lives Beware of that, because a little bit creeping into your life will begin to affect the whole life, your whole life. And then he says, also, beware of the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod, or the leaven of the Herodians, means to beware of the selfish, sensual living. So it's the other side of the ditch, because remember, it was King Herod in Matthew chapter number two, part of the Christmas story that uh, we'll be discussing later this next month, King Herod, who was so insecure and wicked that he ordered all the children under two years old to be slaughtered so as to try to eradicate this king of the Jews that was supposed to be born named Jesus. And then Herod's son took over and he stole his brother Philip's wife. This is back in Mark chapter number 6. We covered it a few weeks ago. And Herodias' his daughter then dances sensually before the king and his buddies. This, it, so basically what Jesus is saying is, look, beware of the two ditches. The ditch of uh, living a legalistic life where it, you're just so proud of your religion that you're so blind you can't see the truth. And then beware of the leaven of Herod where you're on the other ditch, the other side where you're just just living for yourself. And not really concerned about anybody else, not considered about uh, the Lord at all. Beware of the leaven, because just a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That's the message Jesus was trying to convey to the disciples. But then notice here, number uh, thirdly, here the misunderstanding. So again, his message had to do with guarding from developing the desire of the Pharisees to seek after a sign and to guard against a pleasure-driven mentality. But this truth went way over their heads. Verse number 16, they reason among themselves saying, I know why he said that, it's because we have no bread. Eh, Survey says, (laughs) Uh, wrong, big red mark on that one. Disciples, that's not why he said that. At all, and not even close. I mean, I guess they said leaven, and that must mean he's talking about the fact that we have no bread because we're still dwelling on the fact that so and so didn't bring bread on the boat. They completely missed it. They were in the boat, but they completely missed the point. (laughs) They were so hung up on their mistake and thinking about bread that while they heard what Jesus said, they weren't actually listening. And as a result, there was a huge misunderstanding, so much so that Jesus wanted to clear it up. Which leads us to number three here, the chastening of Jesus. He doesn't mince any words here. You can sense, almost hear the frustration in the Lord's tone as he responds to their complete swing and a miss. Their big whiff at uh, trying to figure out why he said what he said in verse 15. So Jesus is frustrated in verse number 17 through verse number 21. It doesn't say he is, but you can kind of sense it as you read through it in context. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your your heart yet hardened? And so he's just frustrated that they've been with him, They've seen him work. They've heard his words, but they're completely missing the point, and it's going over their heads. Just zing. So we see, first of all, his rebuke here in verses 17 through 18. I already read verse 17. Verse 18, having eyes, see ye not? Like, haven't you seen me already do some pretty amazing things? Didn't I just feed the 5,000 and then the 4,000? Haven't you seen me heal people? You've seen it, but uh, you're really not like understanding it. Having eyes see not, and having ears hear you not. You've heard me speak, but you're actually not actually listening. And uh, I don't know if I'm the only husband in here that that's the case, where when your wife is talking to you, you're hearing them, but you're not actually listening to them. Okay, And uh, I try not to do that, but it happens from time to time. And that's exactly what was happening with the disciples. They were hearing Jesus say stuff, but they weren't really computing it. They weren't really taking the time to uh, try to understand what he's saying. And so he rebukes them for being there and not understanding what's going on. And then he reminds them. And so we see his reminder in verse number 19. He said, When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, A twelve. Like I imagine they were thinking, I hope we get this one right. twelve? Well, that was the right answer. Like finally we got the right answer. But they they knew the facts here in verse 20. Uh, when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? They, they said seven. Like, we got, we got the, the facts right. The, the, the problem was, while they remembered the facts, they forgot the meaning. They kept their focus on the temporal, the physical needs of that bread. And Jesus was concerned about what their, what their spiritual growth and giving them some, a message, some teaching that would help them long term. To avoid those two ditches, right? Many times, if we're not careful, we can focus and worry about temporal things that aren't important, things that are temporal, that are physical. We worry about our health. We worry about uh, where our income is going to come from, you know, how we're going to pay our bills. We worry about things that you know, are sincere things. They're real things. They're just temporal. They're physical things. And Matthew tells us in 6, Matthew, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. And so he's telling, he's basically telling the disciples, look, stop worrying about the stupid bread. Don't worry about that. You have one loaf. Don't you know that that's enough when I'm here? Don't worry about it. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Stop worrying about, oh man, we don't have enough snacks to go around. So what? Do you not remember the fact that I was able to feed 5,000 pretty easily? with five little barley loaves and 4,000 with just, you know, seven uh, loaves? Wasn't, aren't I able then to take care of you? Stop worrying about the dumb bread. Okay, let's take out the word bread. What are you worried about in your life? My health. Hey, he's raised the dead. There's nothing too difficult for him. Uh, My finances. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We have nothing to worry about. He is our heavenly father. He's going to provide and protect and take care of us. But we sit there and we worry about our bread or whatever it is. And the Lord's like, hey, would you stop worrying about that? You might remember the facts that, yeah, the Lord did that in the past. That's great. You know your Bible knowledge. Good for you. You can win a Bible trivia contest. Good for you. How are you using that in your life? Are you letting that impact your life? If it's just knowledge, if it's just up here, knowledge puffeth up. We need to make sure that we're letting that impact our hearts. These guys, these disciples, they knew the facts. They could win a Bible trivia contest at teen camp, but they were struggling with the fact that they went on this boat with only one loaf of bread. And so he reminds them. And then notice here, thirdly here, his reason. Verse 21, he said to them, well, how is it that ye do not understand? You see, why the rebuke and the reminders, Lord? Well, to bring them back to his original message. How is it then you don't understand? His original message was to avoid both ditches, the ditch of the Pharisees one of religious pride and hypocrisy, and the other of worldly compromise and uh, license to sin. He said, avoid those. So he's bringing them back to that spiritual message. All right, the truth of who Jesus is went way over the heads of the Pharisees. They were right there looking at him, and they missed it. The truth that he was the Son of God that was come to save them from their sin went way over their head. Maybe it's gone over your head too for many years. Maybe you've never understood that he came to this earth in the form of a little baby in Bethlehem's manger who lived a perfect and sinless life then died on the old rugged cross just outside of Jerusalem for your sin. He was buried and then rose again on the third day and he did that for you. Don't allow it to go over your head. Don't be like the Pharisees, so caught up in your religion to miss it. You say, well, no, no. I'm a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Great. That's not what gets anybody to heaven. I'm a member of so-and-so church. I'm a deacon at so-and-so church. I'm a pastor of so-and-so. Good. That doesn't get anybody to heaven. Only a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ gets somebody to heaven. You might be close to it, but don't let it go away over your head. Make sure that you receive it in your heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. And, the, and then we see the truth of what Jesus said went way over the heads of the disciples. They had seen all that he had did. They had heard all that he had said, but they failed to truly understand listen, and then apply His Word to their lives. May we be good listeners to the Lord and to His Word. And not just know what it says, because a lot of us have a lot of Bible knowledge. I could tell you all the facts and figures of all the Old Testament stuff and all the New Testament stuff, great. How obedient are you? Uh, James said... You know, it's good to know that there's things that are wrong in our life and to have Bible knowledge, but it does no good if we never apply it to our life. So what I'm encouraging all of us to do today is to apply the Word of God to our life and not let the truth of who He is and what He has said to go way over our heads. Hey, there's been times where it has in my life, but I don't want it to go over my head anymore. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage of scripture. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, Lord, not allow the truth of who you are to go over our heads, to not allow the truth of what you say to go over our heads, but Lord, to perceive it and to understand it and then to apply it and to obey it and live it out in our lives. Lord, to be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Lord, the disciples, they knew what you had done, but they weren't willing to apply it in that moment. Help us, Lord, to apply the truth in each moment of our lives. And then, Lord, if there's one here today that, Lord, has heard about Christ, who knows about Christ? but has never believed on Christ. Lord, I pray that today would be the greatest day of their lives. And then, Lord, help us to hear the same message the disciples heard from Christ, to avoid both ditches, to avoid the, uh, the ditch of religious pride and hypocrisy, and also to avoid the other ditch of lasciviousness and, and a license to sin and uh, selfishness and sensuality. Help us, Lord, to avoid both of those ditches and to find the balance by following your word. Pray these things in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This morning I'm going to ask Miss Pat to begin playing. And as she does, I want to invite you again to, what we do here most times here at Cornerstone is we just have a time of prayer, a time of decision right there in your seat as she plays. I'll be quiet and let you have a time where you can do business with the Lord as perhaps he's done business in your life today.